Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. blessing when somebody hears from God and is obedient because you go to conference after conference trying to gain momentum. I hope y'all are hearing me. God, I want the church to grow. How do we do this? How do we maintain momentum? How do we do this? How do we do that? Let me tell you what I heard through the word, through that word. I heard this. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. That's why you get so tired, John. Because you're doing it in your own strength. That burden is, isn't for you. You come unto me, all those who are, are heavy laden and burdened. I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And, and, and I heard all that. It's funny. I, she didn't say that, but I'm telling you what I'm hearing as she talked. And the Lord's like, look, I create momentum when you, I've already created momentum. My word says that I've already ordered the steps for a righteous man or woman. I've ordered them. And if you just walk in a momentum will happen. That's just for, that's just for maybe one of you guys. I don't know. Praise God. You guys heavy today? Did the wind scare you? What's going on? Praise the Lord. I, I, I thank God for the vision. Yeah, doy gracias a Dios uh, por la visión that he has given us here at this church. And it's not just this church. It's God's church, the, the, the corporate body. Uh, Amos 3 and 3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And we've always, you know, God has always placed in our heart to to, to be in agreement with his body here. And some of you guys are sitting here like, that, that ain't a tear on the keyboard. And some of y'all are like, man, it's good to see a couple, uh, 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 a couple of white guys on the worship team. Did he go there? Yes, he did. No, you know why? Because the, guys, listen, that's real life church here in Fairfield that came and worshiped with it. The senior pastor is Mike Cadlock and, and his beautiful wife, who just gave me those words of encouragement, words of knowledge, Renee Tadlock. They came to bless us this morning, to show unity. Praise God. They have the same heartbeat as we do. They're doing lots of different things for the city of Fairfield. They've been doing it for years. And I thank God for that happening. Um, and I think when you start seeing signs, miracles, and wonders, it's as a result of obedience in the unity that God wants in his church. I'm not going to preach about this today, but I need you guys to understand something is that how is somebody going to want to be a part of something if they, if you guys can't even be united? There's nothing wrong with diversity of churches. You have the church of God in Christ, the church of Christ, you got all these. But as long as we're preaching Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, then it, what's, what's the difference? Okay, you wear a tie. We, we don't. Okay, we got tattoos. You don't. We got a bunch of buff guys running around the place. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't matter. The thing is, is unity. And we need to be able to get along with other churches, look past our differences, because honestly, there's only like 10% difference. We have 90% of the same thing. We preach from the same Bible, the same gospel. We talk about the same Jesus. 
Okay? So why can't we just be united and be like, that's cool, man. You do that over there. I, I'll come over to your house even though I got to take my shoes off and my hat off. You come over to my house, you can leave your hat on, your shoes on. It's just custom. I'm not going to, I'm never going over to your house because I got to take the shoes off. No. I come over to your house and I enjoy the atmosphere that you have set and the customs that you have in your house. I enjoy it. And I give you the opportunity to come to my house and enjoy it at the same time. It's the same thing in church. Amen. Let's stop talking bad about churches and pastors. Amen. Let's start encouraging our pastors and our leaders. You guys, some of you guys want this position, but you do not, you're not ready to drink from the cup. As I get it, as I take a drink. <laughs> Praise God. So with our current situation, con nuestra situación actual, uh, the title of this series is appropriate that we're about to do. Uh, titulo de esta serie sería es apropiado. Uh, parado en la tormenta. Standing in the storm. Or better yet, after last night, parado en la tormenta de viento. Standing in the windstorm. Yes, anybody get scared last night? Mmm, yeah. You guys can get churchy on me. Mmm, yes, love. Scared last night. Yeah. Yeah. Hay una parabola en Mateo 7 y Lucas 6 sobre dos casas. There is a parable in Matthew 7 and Luke chapter 6 about two houses. Uno está construido sobre un roca y otro sobre arena. One house was built on a rock while the other was built on the sand. Esta es una gran lesión sobre la forma en que toda la gente enfrenta tormentas en la vida. This is a great lesson about the way all people will face storms in life. Una casa estaba parada mientras que la otra se cayó. One house stood while the other one fell. Una de estas dos casas sucedera cuando enfrentas los problemas de la vida. One of these two things will happen when you face life's problems. When a problem comes to your life, you're either going to stand or you're going to fall. And a lot of people are like, well, who's going to have these storms? Well, let me tell you what Job says in chapter 14, verse 1. A man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I get an amen? I know some of y'all in here have been like, since the day I was born, I had nothing but grief. Some of y'all are thinking about that. It's like, yes, since the day they was born. Yes, so storms, storms come to everyone. Las tormentas llegan a todos. No matter how old, young, spiritual, or carnal. Sin importar cuan viejos, jóvenes, espirituales, or carnales. We all face storms in life, and in fact, a promise has been given to all of us about facing storms. Todos enfrentamos tormentas en la vida, y de hecho, se nos promete finales. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this, These things I have spoken to you, that you might have peace. 
In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I think we just sang that song. He is my champion. Yeah, we're going to have trouble. We're going to see the villains and the bad guys. God said, don't worry about that because I've already overcome the world. Jesus dijo que deberíamos tener paz en medio de los problemas. Jesus said that we should have peace in the midst of trouble. Cuando es borrado junto a un circuito y solo se las da ahora para vivir, debemos tener paz. When you are standing at the bedside of a loved one and they're only given hours to live, you're supposed to have peace. How are you going to have peace when somebody's about to die? But God says, you can have peace in me. This is what we think sometimes. La paz no es asuncia de problemas. La paz es como men manejamos los problemas. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is how we handle the problems. It may be hard at times to be of good cheer. When the job tells you you're being laid off, can I get an amen? Or when the doctor gives you a bad report, when your spouse isn't being faithful, when your children are behaving unruly and acting like they bumped their head. It's hard to overcome these feelings that we receive when problems are happening. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, but pero Jesucristo dijo esta cosa es les eh, hablando para que en mí tengan paz. En el mundo tienen tribulación, pero confíen, yo he vencido al mundo. Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that in me, somebody say in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's be honest, saints. There's some trials and tribulations that hit our lives that aren't very uh, uh, easy to be of good cheer. Huh? There, there's been some things, some news that you got that, you, you mean, Jesus, you're telling me that I'm supposed to be laughing and giggling and be of good cheer? Sometimes I wonder if Jesus knows who he's talking to. You're talking to me, Jesus. I, I'm not as strong as you. He says, go back to my word. He says, I've spoken this to you so that in me you may have peace. The problem is we're trying to have peace outside of Christ and not in him. And if we're honest with ourselves, those situations are earthly things. And we are attached to them emotionally. So when the storms of life come and the wind blows like it was blowing last night, and our house starts to shake, we end up losing our peace. So let's look at some scripture and learn how we can respond to the storms of life. Amen. I truly believe that it wasn't a coincidence last night that we had a huge windstorm, that how the power went out. I, I, I don't think it was a coincidence that this is what the Lord told me to preach about. And it wasn't because of the storms that were going on outside. It's because he knows his people have some storms going on 
inside. Come on, saints. I, I, there's, there's this thing that, that God, look, God, God loves you. He's interested in you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're about to go through before you even see it. He knows what you're in need of before you can ask or even think it. But there comes a time, saints of God, that you do have tribulation and trial on your life, and it's not about you. Can, can I get an amen? Yeah, it's not your sickness, your stress, your trouble, your problems ain't about you. It's about how you stand and who you're standing in. We got a promise. Jesus said it. Listen, in this world, you are going to face some tribulations. You got to remember what I said to you, that in me, you'll find peace. Outside of me, you're not going to have peace. If you're missing peace, he's the missing peace. You guys. Bars. The key to the house that stood was not hearing the word of God, but doing the word of God. Turn to Matthew 7, 24, 27. It reads this. Therefore, only a few people that hear these sayings of mine. You're just seeing if you guys are reading or listening. If you guys don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the Sky Bible. Let me Hannah White it for you. Vanna? No, I'm talking about Hannah, her sister. <laughs> Hannah and Vanna? Her little sister. Yeah. All right. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them into a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall. Does that sound like last night? Ooh, this is a prophetic word. For it was founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I, I want to pause because I just want to break the scripture down to you. Like, just real close. First of all, it says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, which means the gospel, the word of God is for everybody. I don't care how far you are away from God or how close you are to God. He said, whoever, this is for everybody. If you hear these words, uh, they're for you, but if you do them, then you'll have great success. It, it says, he says, listen, I will liken you, man, if you're not just a hearer, but a doer of my word. And we look at the man that he talks about. He says, yeah, this dude heard it, but he didn't do it. It's funny how we're doing this build next door, and I get instructions on how to do it. And as we're building, if we don't do it right, when things happen, things will fall. And we can get angry as we want, but we didn't follow and do the instructions. Saints of God, let me help you out with some issues in your life. You're going to get mad at me. I'm sorry. Going to get mad. But oh, well, let me tell you the truth. Let me love on you and tell you the truth. Okay? 90% of the problems that we face in life is because we don't follow instructions. And we're angry and mad because we don't want to look at ourselves and go, <laughs> it's your fault. 
We're busy pointing fingers and trying to blame everybody else. If we could take responsibility for what's happening to us, then we have the power to change our situation. Okay. So, back to the scripture. The key is doing the word of God. The same principle of being a doer of the word is found in another parable in Mark chapter 4, verse 13 and 20. I give you guys a chance to get there. If you don't, Hannah White. Okay. Mark 4, 13. Write this with me. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the words. And these are the ones by the wayside where the world, uh, where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a while. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Kanye. Um, Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Somebody say good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. So what is... Jesus trying to say in these scriptures, I'm going to break this down for you. In verse 18, it says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. I'm going to break this down to you so easy that once you get it, you're going to be able to understand everything else I ever say to you. So let me let me share something with you guys. So many people are looking at the Bible and they're trying to get their own interpretation. Well, what does this mean? Well, I believe that this means this and this means no. If you begin to understand this parable, you're going to know. Jesus said, if you understand this parable, every other parable I share with you, you'll understand. You'll understand when I talk about the, with a, a faith the size of a mustard seed and moving a mountain. You're going to understand every parable I tell you about being fishers of men. So if we pay attention, we see that Jesus is saying, if you can understand this parable that I'm about to tell you, then you're going to understand the rest of them. The keys to all parables are just making sure that you're not just hearing what you're listening and doing. Listen to this math that I'm about to give you. 75% of people were not doers of the word. Only 25% of people were doers of the word and produced fruit. That's why a lot of churches are full with unfruitful people. So we look at verse 15, you have people that had no understanding of the word. No understanding. Now, let me just give you a side, little side note. People that have no understanding of the word, sometimes I really love those people. 
Why do I love them? Because most people that don't understand the word, they're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And they'll text me. They're coming to Bible study and they're raising their hand after church. They're saying, Pastor, what do you mean by this? I'm getting emails. These are people that don't have any understanding. But look, they're still looking for understanding. These are the people the Bible says, knock and the door shall be open. Seek and you shall find. Those are those type of people. But there's some people that sit in church all their life and never get any understanding of the word of God. Because the word of God is literally hitting them. It's like, it's like a stony ground. It's, it's, it's like concrete. It can't be received. The word can't be received. Some people's hearts are so hard, they'll never understand the word of God. Verse 16, understanding and did well for a while, but became offended. For the life of me, I don't understand this. I have to break this down so you guys can understand this. People do real good in church. They get received word. Hey, I got a great revelation. Changed my life. And they're in church and they're doing everything. Don't get recognized. The moment that they're corrected, the moment that the pastor tells them no, they get offended and they leave. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about God. Then they blame it on the church. Can I share something with you guys? People will get offended with the church and quit church altogether. But you will go to Walmart, get terrible service, and go back the next week. go to a restaurant. They'll give you bad food. You'll blame the, the cook that day or you'll blame the waitress and come back and give them another chance. But when it comes to church and the things of God, when God doesn't give you what you want because you think that church is Burger King, have it your way, and it doesn't come your way, you're offended and you're done with church. It happens. Let some girl break some dude's heart. He's going to be mad and he'll be hurt for a while, but you better believe he'll be back on Tinder again. For you older folks who don't know what Tinder is, it's a dating site. You don't give up on girls, you don't give up on dudes, but you'll give up on God's house. You'll give up on his word, and then you start lying to yourself about things. Then here's in verse 18 and 19, it's almost the same way. Produce fruit for a while and becomes unfruitful. What does that mean? They backslide. The cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word out of you. And it becomes unfruitful. Let me, let me share something with you. When you're in church and you get in the word of God and you get rooted and you're grounded, and you, everything's going good, and all of a sudden, the cares of the world happen. You lose your job. Your husband or wife start cheating on you. Kids, once again, Acting like they fell and bumped their head. Can I get an amen, parents? Yes. Make you want to say, oh, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't have time to do the things of God. I got to focus on this. And you just start, before you know it, you start doing other stuff. Or when, when, when there's like demands that happen, oh, you received the word. Oh, I received the word. Wait, wait, ooh, I can't receive that word. What you mean, tithing? That's the Old Testament. I ain't supposed to turn my cheek. I'm Peter. I'm cutting ears off. Right? What do you mean I got to bless those that, that, that despitefully use me and pray for those that, that curse me? What are you talking about? No, I'm not going to do that. Can we do stuff like that? And then we start backsliding. We start doing stuff that we feel is okay. You know, the Bible is very specific about dece deception. The number one person that deceives us is ourselves. We deceive ourselves. So what we do is, now I'm going to show you guys something so you guys can understand this. This is how you could tell 
people start backsliding. Watch this. They'll be in church. They're usually around the front because they're at the front. They want to hear the word. They get offended. They get upset because the cares of this world, deceitfulness, and riches. They made the pastor preach about tithing for one time a year or whatever he preaches about, and, and you get upset, and then now you're offended. So one week you're up front. Week later, you're two, you're two seats back. A couple weeks later, you're way back, and you're calling. You're going, hey, uh, I'm not going to be able to serve today. Oh, I didn't know I was serving. Oh, no, I didn't get the text message or the email or the phone call. So before you know it, after a couple of weeks later, you started off up front, and now you're in the very back row. I'm not saying nothing about people in the back row, so don't turn around and look at them. I'm just, I'm just telling you, watch this principle. Watch this principle. Do you know that most of the trouble happened in the Old, Old Testament times? The presence of God, where the tabernacle was, was in the center of the camp. Most of the trouble happened on the outside of the camp. You know why? Because they were further away from the presence of God. See, what you think people are doing, when people think they're doing, when they keep moving back, moving back, they're, they're like, they're, not, they're, they're thinking, I'm just going to move back because they're mad at me or the pastor or people up front. No, it's not that. You're moving away from the presence of God because the altar is where the presence of God is. He's made this altar for the place of exchange. He says, on my altar, the fire shall never go out. What is that fire? It's the Holy Ghost fire. And what it is is you're so offended that it's choking the word out of you, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches isn't money. It isn't houses. It's whatever you hold valuable over God. That's your riches. Whether it be a man, a woman, a job, your kids, whatever you hold over God is your riches, deceitfulness of riches. And you start backing up because the word's coming out of you and that word is his presence. You're getting further away from the presence. And before you know it, you done slid on out the door. And I'm not talking about the church. Because what you start telling yourself is, man, I am the church. They say it every Sunday. I am the church. I don't need to go to church. I got church in me. So, you know, where two or three are gathered in his name, where the presence of God will be there. You know, we can just have church wherever we go. We can just hold hands because that's what the Bible says, right? You begin to start telling yourself the same lies that Satan tried to use on Jesus in the wilderness. Y'all didn't even want to hear that. <laughs> we lie to ourselves and deceive ourselves so often. Because we allow storms of life to come into our life and get us distracted. Mm. Cares of this world, fears and concerns. Fear is the most used and most effective tool in the devil's toolbox. Most fears are small fears. There's a lot of fears that we, we're scared of certain things. They're not like big major things. They're usually small things. And we know the acronym for fear is evidence appearing real. Fear is a perversion of faith. So, you know, like if you have faith in something, you know, you, you, you know that God, you know that God is going to do it. God's going to tell me to do it. I don't know the outcome, but I'm going to do it because God told me to do it. But then what we do with, with fear is a lot of times we'll, per, we'll pervert our faith and say it's faith when it's really fear. Let me give you an instance. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, I say. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We're deceiving ourselves. We're calling it faith, but it's really our faith in perversion and it's fear. You, you didn't go out and try to get that new job. You said, oh, I'm waiting for the, the job to come find me. Come on. I've been praying for a job, man. Praise God. How many, 
how many uh, uh, um, applications have you put in? None. God's going to just give me. God told me, God told me I was going to be a business owner. Well, good, man. What, what, what's your, vi- your plan, your vision plan? Oh, no, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm having to decide. You're afraid. Fear is faith in failure. When your faith fails, fear appears. Where faith fails, fear prevails. Wherever you don't have faith, that fear will be there. I just want to help you guys out. Fear is always there. You can't get rid of fear. Fear is, it's like the spirit of God and fear. Why do I know? Why would God give us a commandment to be courageous? He said, be courageous. You can't have bravery or be courageous in the absence of fear. Fear has to be present for you to be full of courage. But that's why God gave you that commandment. How you can't have courage. What if you're facing, you think about, think about David. Why was he so bold? He had Goliath in front of him. But he moved in faith. Not faith in his abilities, but faith in who his God was. Oh, help me out, somebody. The storm of life came. His name was Goliath. And Goliath came to destroy all of God's people. But David knew who to stand in. Praise God. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Do you, do you, do you believe that you can stand in a storm? Or do you believe that every storm comes is going to set you back? Whatever you think in your heart. Job 3 and 25 says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. This is Job talking about it. So now with this, when I read this, what happened to Job, he obviously was thinking about this happening to him before it happened. He just kept thinking about it. I remember my father used to always say, man, don't keep thinking about stuff like that because eventually it's going to happen to you. Some of you guys are sitting down here wondering, man, what if I get cancer? What if I get this? What if I get that? And then when you get cancer, you go, I knew it. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. You don't realize that what you're thinking prompts and creates your behavior. And because you're behaving that way, like, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my job, you're thinking that way, you don't realize that you're behaving in such a way to lose your job. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think you're always going to be sick, you're going to be doing stuff because you're thinking you're sick, watch this, you start to worry. And what happens when you worry? High blood pressure. It lowers all these things down in your body. All this stuff happens. You get sick. Fear produces two reactions. It either causes you to run or it causes paralysis. You can't move. You guys ever have one of those dreams? Where you're paralyzed, you wake up, you're like. <laughs> you be trying to say Jesus and say. Jesus. Paralysis is what the devil wants to happen to you. This keeps us from being a doer of his word. If he can make you scared of anything that God told you to do, you're not going to do it. And if you don't do what God told you to do, you will never complete the, the, the purpose and call of God in your life. 
listen, listen, let me help you guys out. What God is going to tell you to do is not going to be able to be added up. It doesn't make sense. And it's not going to be anything easy because if it was, guess what? It's not faith. God's going to tell you to do something that's going to please him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So every challenge that he gives you, everything he tells you you're going to do requires faith to do it. Amen. You guys have to understand that fear from the devil is a spirit. Most fears are small, uh, like a loss of job, like health. Uh, people worry about the future. But you guys have to understand that worry is mental torment. Worry is what torments us. God didn't create us to worry. He created us to worship. That's why a lot of things happen in worship. That's why people get healed during worship. People get healed and their minds set free because they worship. But when we worry, it's just the opposite. It kills us slowly. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. God has given us the tools to fight fear. These are not tools that you go rent at some shop. These are tools that you have to own. And just to let you know, they don't cost you anything. They've already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We must receive them to use them. The first one is power. Power. Miracle working power. Supernatural anointing. Holy Ghost power. Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That's the first time like I remember reading that normal. I said, usually when I hear that, but you will receive power. <laughs> after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is a promise to us saints from Jesus. Power to drive out fear. Peter had denied Christ three times because of fear. Because the storm that was going on in his life, it caused him to con be concerned about himself. So he turned around because of fear and lied and denied Christ three times. You didn't even see the other disciples. They cut out. But after the Holy Ghost came upon Peter, he preached to over 3,000 people and got them all saved in one day. That is fear. That's, that is power over fear, power to witness, power over Satan, power over bashfulness, power to dance, power to shout and to run, breaking the power of fear. The second tool we have is love. How many people love love? I just love love. But we ain't talking about regular love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about God's love, the kind of love that gives without wanting back. When you love someone and you're meeting their needs, you don't have time to worry about your problems. When storms go on in your life, saints, let me tell you something. If those of you guys know me, don't know me, I, I, I suffer from anxiety attacks, clinically uh, depressed, clinically anxiety. I got it all. And there's times I just, I just hit, it just hits me. And I know something. I know that if I just start uh, uh, doing the word, I can sit at home and start quoting scripture all day. It doesn't help me. Quoting scripture doesn't help me. Doing scripture sets me free. So there comes a time I sit there and I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, the depression hits, there's nothing I can do, and I go, when is next church service? 
Who's at the Who's at the church house? Who can I call? Some of you guys, so I've called some of you guys in times. You just didn't know how I was feeling. And I'm like, God, just I, you can use me. God's not going to use me until I take a step. I'll call you and give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I'll, I'll prophesy to you. There's things going on, and I'll start to do it. And you don't realize what, where I'm at. But I know if I'm more worried about you and I'm serving you and I'm doing for you, that I ain't got time to worry about my problem. And as I'm doing that, God sets me free. It's like a funnel, you know. It's it's like a sponge, rather. Whatever you put in the sponge and squeeze it to get out is what you're going to get out of it. So if I want to go ahead and have peace, I'm going to call somebody and give them peace. Praise God. When I love on people, I love my wife. I love her so much. We love each other. It is ridiculous how much we love each other. It's it's crazy. And and I have to share something with you. I, it's disgusting. Uncle un, drunk Uncle Matt said that last week. But I I I have to say is that I love her so much that I, I I there's no fear in the love that I have for my wife. I'm not worried about her leaving me. I'm not worried about her cheating on me. I'm not listen. I'm not even worried about her dying. What you mean? It's my I love her. Yes, I'll miss her. But I know where she's going. There's a place in Christ that's better than her being with me because that'll be better for her because I love her so much. I want the best for her for everything. Praise God. And and, and, and see, the way that I love her, I loved on her first. And, and, and we fight over this, but I told her I loved her first. She says I did. But I told her I loved her first. That's why it was so easier for her to love me. Uh, behold, I speak a mystery concerning Christ and his church. See, we love him because he first loved us. See, I showed, I, you ask her, she doesn't believe this or not, but when I came to her, I said, look, I care for you and love for you so much. This is how we're going to do our relationship. There's rules to our relationship. There are boundaries. You guys catching this? There are boundaries to our relationship. Look, first of all, if we're going to be together, there's no hugging, no kissing, no holding hands, no being alone. I set these boundaries. And she agreed to these boundaries. Now, there are boundaries that God has given us that is in his word. And he said, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to be in relationship with me, this is how that relationship is going to work. And he gives Bible. And because she found, she followed those boundaries, our covenant is tight. It's not going to be broke. When I offend her, she doesn't leave. When she gets mad at me, she doesn't leave. She doesn't hold any grudges against me. I don't hold any grudges against her. She will die for me. And listen, Christ already died for us. Therefore, we have to give our lives to Christ. Lay your life down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Why does he ask us to lay our lives down? Because he laid his life down. But the reason why we don't lay our lives down is because of fear. I'm preaching better than y'all responding. I, I'm hopefully y'all catching some of this. Some relationships don't work because we're too afraid to get hurt. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, if you get in a relationship, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. It is. Love is a contact sport. I don't ever, I never played a game of football not expecting to get hit. You got on pads, a helmet. That's why I don't understand the rules in the NFL today. I'm going out there taking a risk every play. In every play, I'm giving 110%. I don't know why I'm preaching right here at this point. Somebody needs to listen. I give 110. I put it all out on the field for my team. 
Not for myself, but for the people that are next to me. So I give my life. I lay it down every place. And you know what? Sometimes I get hurt. And unfortunately, sometimes I get hurt by my own players. You guys catch that? But we're teammates. We're on the same team. We're, we're, we're called by the same name. It's SF that's on that shirt. <laughs> Sanctified and free. I don't quit my team because somebody hurt me, hit me. Behold, I speak a mystery concerning Christ and his church. <laughs> Third weapon. Well, let me go back to the second because I do have to say this. There is no John 4 and 18, 1 John 4 and 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. Do you know what? If you realized how much I love you, you wouldn't be afraid to love me back. You guys hear what I'm telling you? If you realize how much Jesus loves you, that's why he loves the world. He has to love the world. He just doesn't love the saved people. He loves everybody. Listen to this. He loves everybody. We love him because he first loved us. He has to love everybody to make the door open for us to love him back. The problem isn't him loving us. The problem is us loving him back because we don't realize how much he loves us. Listen, there's no sin that will keep you away from Jesus. You just got to let it go. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast. Podcast.